this is about the time of year that a lot of fall semesters are concluding. And maybe you're in the midst of finals and you're looking for some anatomy and physiology help. Please reach out. to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice that's genesis 22:15 through 18 what a beautiful set of verses to open up with for this episode of biblical anatomy excited to be here with you and as we talk about analogous terms the reason i picked out those set of verses there is you may or may not know this, and it was a crazy aha moment for me, but angel of the Lord is Jesus. If you look at biblical doctrine and you examine that, to anyone who tells you that Jesus is not mentioned in the Old Testament, you can point to the 63 instances, I believe it is, in the Old Testament where angel of the Lord is used, and there is very strong evidence that that is Jesus. And that strong evidence points there because of the way that the angel of the Lord acts as God, which Jesus is God, thereby connecting the dots for researchers and for us to sort of stumble upon in this present day and age. So there is our first analogous term there. Jesus is analogous with angel of the Lord. Again, what a beautiful passage. We're excited to join you today for Biblical Anatomy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember that we offer a series of lessons and courses. We always try to be transparent and vulnerable. I suppose that's a good time to mention that as I cough on camera, but we don't do any editing with this besides trimming the beginning and trimming the end of the video. Uh, we want to keep it raw and authentic. We don't want to pretend that we're something that we're not. We don't want to bump up our social media to make things seem differently than they really are. We understand that you struggle with anatomy and physiology either currently or in the past, or at the very least, you're interested in anatomy and physiology and recognize that it is a difficult topic to get through. And there's a lot of subsets of it that make it difficult. And for us, we thank God that this is something that we're blessed in, something that makes sense to us. It's not that it came super easy. We spent a lot of time and effort acquiring these sets of skills. But now that we have these skills and we continue learning in the field of anatomy and physiology, we are excited to share it with you. And by doing so, we're excited to share it with you properly by sharing biblical anatomy and physiology. As we progress forward these next couple months into January, 
I guess we're not far off now. I guess we're about a little over a month. We're down to about 30 days here, but um, we ask for your continued prayers for Biblical Anatomy Academy. We believe it is God's calling for us to head this direction, and we plan to launch in January with our first cohort. If you're interested, please reach out. But more important than that is that we're interested in your prayers as well, what you have going on in your life. Uh, This is about the time of year that a lot of fall semesters are concluding, and maybe you're in the midst of finals and you're looking for some anatomy and physiology help. Please reach out, if nothing else, just to share what your prayer requests would be in this season. And you can reach us at prayers at biblicalanatomyacademy.com. Benefit of today is going to be a fun one. It's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about analogies. I use the term analogous, and that in and of itself seems to be very uh, cringeworthy or intimidating, but all it really means is analogy or similarity. So analogies in anatomy and physiology, and what do I mean by that? Well, unfortunately, in anatomy and physiology, there are a lot of terms that mean the same thing as some seemingly different term. We're going to go through a whole bunch of examples of those, uh, but first we'll remind you of our mission, which is to equip Christian homeschool, gap year, and college students with the understanding that their anatomy is biblical by connecting science with scripture so they can better understand God's divine handiwork in their lives. And we'll go on to our story here. For me, it was an aha moment. It was a very frustrating time in my collegiate career. I was grasping the macro things, the macroisms, if you will, of anatomy and physiology. And what I mean by that was I knew where my biceps was. I knew where my quadriceps muscle group was. That time I couldn't tell you what four muscles were within the quadriceps group, but I could tell you that I had a quadriceps group. I could also tell you I had a hamstrings group. Again, I couldn't tell you the three muscles in the hamstrings or that there couldn't even tell you the number of hamstrings that there were. But I could tell you that I had a hamstrings group and tell you where on my body that was. I understood the things that I could see, but on a microscopic level, I didn't understand how cells worked. I didn't understand the cardiovascular system, the lymphatic system, the respiratory system, the exchange of nutrients, diffusion, which we talked about last week, didn't understand that. Um, It was a frustrating time for me. What got me through, honestly, was my interest. Okay, I was very interested in the topic. And even though at that time I didn't yet recognize that there wasn't a biblical component being poured in, which would later become a significant irritant, uh, I, perhaps I was just too overwhelmed um, with the material. And no doubt I was at a different stage in my life. Full transparency, when I first took anatomy and physiology, that was before my born-again experience. That was before my baptism. So different part of my life, to be sure. Um, but my aha moment as the semesters went on, I alluded to this last week that we had some topics that had passed me by. I had some topics that had passed me by and I was too shy to raise my hand and ask for help. So I just kind of let them go. And I was in junior year. I was in a course called exercise physiology. It was a summer course. So it was already a condensed course, which wasn't the best idea. But I was trying to, I had this self-imposed demand on me. And if you're there, brother or sister, uh, I feel you. Uh, You know, me, I went back to college when I was 26, 27 years old. And so I had this self-imposed time crunch 
which was irrational. And if I could go back and do things differently, I would take my time. I basically got through a bachelor's and a master's degree in five years. And that was after having done off and on time for an associate's degree. Uh, my master's, I made sure that I slowed things down. And my doctoral work, I slowed things down to make sure that I enjoyed it and absorbed the content. And any further degrees I do, I will take that advice and slow things down so I can enjoy the process as much as possible because learning is fun. But anyways, junior year that summer, as I'm concluding my junior year, and I have to take exercise physiology in order to be able to take a fall course to start as a senior and graduate on time. So I'm taking exercise physiology and the instructor keeps talking about proton donors. And I'm getting really frustrated week over week over week. And we're like halfway through the course and he keeps saying proton donors. And I've never heard anybody say proton donors before. And I'm somewhat familiar with the systems that we're talking about with acids and bases and different cycles and things of that nature. But he keeps mentioning proton donors. And, and that's the part of the story that I keep losing focus because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, after many hours of study in collaboration with some peers, I find that what he's trying to say is hydrogen donor. And I've mentioned this connection in one of the earliest episodes of this podcast. So this may be ringing a bell from that. But when someone says hydrogen donor, it means the same thing as proton donor and vice versa. So when you have an acid, an acid is very likely to dissociate its hydrogen or one of the hydrogens within the acid structure from the rest of the acid. So this is how lactic acid converts to lactate. The only difference between the two is one hydrogen ion. Well, if we look at the periodic table, we look at what makes up hydrogen. In your nucleus, you have a proton, no neutron. It's the only element on the periodic table where that's the case, and you have one electron. So if you lose that electron, as hydrogen does when lactic acid converts to lactate, all you're left with is a proton. And so some textbooks will say hydrogen donor, and some textbooks will say proton donor. My point is I knew what he's talking about the entire time if he had just said hydrogen donor. And for him, it probably wasn't anything that he thought would be confusing whatsoever. And so he left it unsaid and just kept referring to it in that way. And I don't recall if the book pointed it out. I don't think that it did. A lot of times books will say one or the other. Sometimes in the very beginning, they'll mention that both mean the same thing. But nevertheless, it took me about half of the course to figure out that I knew what he was talking about. I just wasn't recognizing the term. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk to about today is all these different terms that mean the same thing. And we're going to go system by system and do some of the bigger macro ones, if you will, and sprinkle in some micro ones as we move along. This list won't be all inclusive, but it'll get you off to a great start to begin anatomy and physiology. By the way, as I'll mention a little bit later, if you haven't already, excuse me, if you haven't already taken medical terminology, um, I would recommend that you do that if you have a chance to take that before taking anatomy and physiology. Now, in a lot of instances, you're already in the midst of anatomy and physiology, and there's not much that you can do. I get it. I was that student myself. I would either take medical terminology concurrent with that or strap up your boots and get ready because um, 
it's going to be an added hurdle for you that it wouldn't be for another student that had taken anatomy and phys or medical terminology prior to anatomy physiology. So starting in the integumentary system, integument is skin. So sometimes it'll be referred to as just simply the skin. Sometimes it'll be referred to as dermal tissue or simply the dermis. But all four of those terms mean the same thing. All three of those terms essentially mean the same thing. So integumentary system is the same thing as skin. It's the same thing as dermis. When we go into the skeletal system, not too often that these will come up. Sometimes they'll say bone or bone system. Obviously, that means the same thing as skeletal system. And rarely you'll hear the word osteon or osteo. That means bone that translates to bone. And so that might be used in place. Now, there is a structure that we identify within bone called an osteon. You'll most certainly hear it there, but sometimes you'll hear it referred to more macro in terms of the entire system. The muscular system, there's not a ton you'll hear uh, replaced there. Obviously, muscular means muscle or in relation to muscle. But as we go a little bit more micro down to the cellular level, we have a whole bunch within this subject. We have myocytes. If you split that apart, myo means muscle, site means cell. And so it's just simply a muscle cell. Now, unfortunately, myocyte is the same thing as a muscle fiber, which gets confusing because we have myofilaments and things of that nature that are very similar in the way that their naming structure exists. So yes, myocyte also means muscle fiber. And to further add, it also means muscle cell. So basically the myocyte is the Greek way of stating it. Muscle cell is the English way of stating it. And then you also have muscle fiber, which just happens to mean the exact same thing. And that one was the hardest for me because when I think of muscle fiber, I don't think of a cell. I think of the uh, myofilaments within the cell that we'll talk about in just a minute. But nevertheless, that's what they mean. And you have to get used to that. Now, once we dive within the myocyte, we have a bunch of things that are uh, synonymous or analogous to others. So we'll start at the outside. We have a plasma membrane, but in exercise science, they don't call it a plasma membrane. They call it a sarcolemma. So sarcolemma means the same thing as plasma membrane. You may recall from our previous work and from one of your early chapters in anatomy and physiology that cell membrane also means the same thing as plasma membrane. We go within the cell and we have what's called a sarcoplasmic reticulum. You may have heard of an endoplasmic reticulum. It's the same thing, but it's within muscle. Now we have two structures, a sarcolemma and a sarcoplasmic reticulum that begin with the prefix sarco. Sarco translates to muscle, so that's the only place you're going to see this. This really is the only advantage to using sarco is we know we're talking about exercise physiology. We know we're talking about muscle structure. We also have a sarcoplasm, which would be analogous to a cytoplasm or a cytosol. This is the fluid that everything is within. As we go further, when we get down to the level of the filaments, we have what are called microfibrils and then microfilaments. Microfibrils and microfilaments are not synonymous, but they kind of sound like they are. 
basically, if you take a bundle of micro or myofilaments, I think I said micro just prior, I apologize about that, scratch that, I meant myo. If you take a bundle of myofilaments, then you get one myofibril, okay? If you take a bundle of myofibrils, you get one myocyte. If you take a bundle, now we're extracellular, if you take a bundle of myocytes and put them together, you get a fascicle. And if you take a bundle of fascicles together, you put them together and you get a muscle. So there's a five layered structure there. Again, that's a little outside the context of what we're talking about here because those aren't synonymous, but they sound so similar, it's important to uh, provide distinction. When we get to the senses, we've got a whole bunch, four major ones. We have olfaction, which is the same thing as smell. We have gustation, which is the same thing as taste. We have equilibrium, which is the same thing as balance. And palpation, which is the same thing as touch. We go to the endocrine system, and there's not a ton of confusion here, but sometimes it'll be called a hormone or hormonal system. That's pretty rare, but hormones are the endocrine system. Then we have four here remaining on our list that are very common and oftentimes present issues for students, especially as students are getting used to the terminology within anatomy and physiology. The first one is lymphatic system. You may also hear immune system. They're not a direct synonym, a direct correlation, but more or less they mean the same thing, especially when used in the first couple semesters of anatomy and physiology. We then have the respiratory system, which means the same thing as the pulmonary system, a direct synonym there. We have the digestive system, which means the exact same thing as gastrointestinal system, but does not mean the same thing as the elementary system or elementary canal. The elementary canal is more or less just the tract, the digestive tract, whereas digestive and gastrointestinal both describe the entire system. And then lastly, we have the urinary system, which I referred to last week as the renal system, and those are directly synonymous, so they mean the same exact thing. Now on this list, we were not all inclusive, as I mentioned prior. Please reach out if you come across a term that you'd like defined or mentioned on a later podcast, and I'd be happy to do that. As we dive through all of these systems, there's going to be a bunch more synonyms that come into play or a bunch more analogous terms that come into play that will be defined as we move along. This, of course, all will be in greater depth or detail when you take a course through us. We self-sponsor biblicalanatomyacademy.com. We offer courses. If you're interested in understanding how your anatomy is biblical, please reach out to us and take one of our courses. We'd be happy to walk you through that. If you're struggling with anatomy and physiology and you need to get through and, and one of these podcasts doesn't answer your question, please reach out. I'd be happy to walk you through those things. Trust me, I get it. I've been there. I understand how difficult it is to ask for help. And I understand how difficult it is to take a course of this complexity in a lecture hall of 150, 200 plus students. It's part of the reason why I designed Biblical Anatomy Academy. The number one reason, I feel like God called us to do it. Bar none, that's the number one reason. Number two, I get it. I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated too because anatomy and physiology is not being taught the correct way. And it's not being taught in a way that's conducive to the student learning the material. Could it be conducive to a student that has taken a few years of it? 
perhaps, but interestingly, the model is exactly opposite of that. When are you most likely to be in a big lecture hall? It's your freshman year of college. When are you least likely? It's your senior year of college and even graduate school. From an understanding perspective, that should be exactly the opposite because when you know the least pertaining to the subject of anatomy and physiology is when you're in that lecture hall when you need the most intimate experience. But all these different degrees have the requirement of anatomy and physiology. They all get pooled into the Monday, Wednesday class or whatever the layout is. And you end up with a big lecture hall like this. Now, not all colleges are this way, but your big state colleges are that way. So I've been there. I've been in those similar lecture halls. I understand how frustrated it is. And if you're, say, a sociology major or a psychology major, and you're not that interested in anatomy and physiology, it makes it that much more difficult. If I hadn't been interested in anatomy and physiology, I would have struggled mightily. But something that we have in common more than likely is if you're a fellow Christian, if you're a brother or sister, you have that as an interest. And so even if your interest does not lie in anatomy and physiology, your interest lies in God. And I can help you understand how God is woven within everything that you learn in an anatomy and physiology textbook. They don't tell you that, but that is the truth. Our take-home message for today is that analogous terms can be just as difficult as learning the concepts themselves. It's hard enough to learn uh, why it's called a macrophage and, and why a macrophage uh, engulfs and undergoes endocytosis. That process alone is difficult enough, but learning all the terms and how they relate in the previous terms that we talked about earlier today... That can be hurdle one, and then you've got hurdle two of understanding what the process is. So this is why I recommend that you take medical terminology prior to your first semester in anatomy and physiology. If you haven't done it, don't fret. I hadn't. I'd taken them all simultaneously, more or less, and I got through it. It just required more effort from me. And I'll conclude with this before the Lord's Prayer, something that's on my heart that just kind of came into mind just now. I graduated high school with a 2.3 GPA. I graduated college, my bachelor's, with a 3.53 GPA, my master's with a 3.96, and my doctoral with a 4.0. Did I get more intelligent over time? I would argue no. Did I get more dedicated? Yes. And therein lies the key. Simply, you just have to be more dedicated, especially as the number of credits you take goes up. So ideally, take medical terminology first. But if you're not in that boat and you're taking them simultaneous or you're taking anatomy and physiology and you're not required to take medical terminology so you're sort of learning it on the fly, you've got to be disciplined, you've got to manage your time wisely, and you've got to add your level, ramp up your level of dedication. It's really as simple as that. Let's conclude as we always do with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.